Hi, everybody. Uh, we are joined today by Nadine Nocero Tai, who is the Vice President of Client Services at Sync Show. Uh, thank you, Nadine, for, for taking the time to talk to my, my students at Point Park and at the University of Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for having me, RJ. Really, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm looking forward to diving in today. Yeah, so let's, let's just go ahead and dive in uh, with the hard-hitting questions um, that, you know, I'm going to throw some curveballs at you. You might not have seen them coming. Here's the first one. So what got you into marketing? <laughs> sure thing. Thank yeah, you. That's, that's a, a tough one, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. I was like, ooh, I appreciate the softball. Um, so, you know, to be totally honest with you, I was one of those people growing up who I always knew exactly what I wanted to do. So um, I have a strong writing background. I love to write. I love to write for my clients. I love fiction. So mm -hmm. I really knew storytelling was going to be a big part of what I wanted to do. And uh, I guess to be blunt, the thing that stopped me from becoming um, a writer in a, in, a, in a sense for fiction or for, for proper storytelling was I really looked at it and I said, I love business. I love solving problems. How can I have a lucrative career and make this a win-win? So mm -hmm. I actually did not major in marketing. Um, my major in college was public relations and advertising. And then I had a minor in psychology and a minor in art history just um, out of my own personal interest. So, yeah. um, you know, as a part of the PR and, and advertising program at my university, there were heavy writing classes, writing for the web, really, again, focusing on that storytelling, brand communications, and how you are positioning a brand to tell a story and to differentiate. So that's sort of how I got into it. I, I knew it's what I wanted to do, went to school for it, and have, have been in the industry ever since. So I, I'm glad to hear that this came to you organically. And I absolutely love the fact that this was not like your chosen uh, educational path. You, you know, you're kind of marketing adjacent or, yes. you know, marketing's on one side of the street, PR is on the other. So you're absolutely. always waving and saying hello. Uh, I found that a lot of really great marketing practitioners come into the marketing field having experience in something else. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And I've, I've found that it gives them a more well-rounded sort of perspective on not just how uh, the world works, but how their unique background can fit into marketing. So, you know, I have, my entire background is graphic and interactive design. So I started designing when I was 11 years old. Wow. Um, and we're roughly the same age. So I've been doing this yeah. for almost 25 years. Right. And, um, so I came into marketing from this different path entirely. So I can really relate to what you're saying. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love to hear that too. Um, like you mentioned, I totally agree. It just, it makes for a really unique perspective when you look at everything as a generalist and you have other specific skill sets, it really allows you to approach things as a true business strategist and consultant, yes. which is really what people are looking for. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I, again, glad you said that because that's largely how I function now. Uh, not, not just in my day job, but with my, my practice and consulting. So, um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah, so, uh, this, this is good. So you've got this well-rounded sort of perspective, uh, on your entry point into marketing. Um, I'm curious just to emphasize that storytelling aspect. Um, I think storytelling as a concept and especially as a buzzword is really hot right now. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, it seems like 
every company is looking for a storyteller. And it, it, it's kind of bothering me that that title is going to be a bit homogenized. Yeah. So it's like everyone that graduates from a marketing program now has to have some aspect to them where they're a storyteller. Yeah. And um, what that really says to me is that everyone's trying to tell a story, but they don't know just exactly how to craft that story, craft the narrative, and then deliver it in a meaningful and memorable way. So what are your thoughts on this sort of universality of, of storytelling in the marketing industry right now? Sure, sure. That is, that's a great question. And I agree with your prediction on trend and where that's going to go and the homogenization of it. So when I look at storytelling from a marketing standpoint, when sort of my trajectory of where I've come up in marketing, I started in a PR role that was integrated into a larger marketing program or organization. And since then I've pivoted away from traditional public relations, have not done it in gosh, like 10 years and have really moved towards brand differentiation. And mm. so, you know, yes, there is the typical storytelling of what is your message? How are you communicating it? How are you showcasing how your solutions are different than your competitors? And that can really happen through writing online, through social, through offline communications, through um, you know, how you're internally talking about your culture and hiring in your organization. But a big part of what I do working at a digital marketing organization that's different is using data to tell stories. So it's, mm -hmm. it's less about how are we communicating who we are and what we do, and instead saying, how am I looking at these raw data sets yeah. interpreting it and then using it to predict what we should be doing for our customers or prospects moving forward, what we should be doing for that content strategy and for that true creative storytelling. And then in similarity, how are we pivoting away from things that just are not working? Right. Cause we might love it and we might be so creatively attached to it, but the data says it's not worthwhile. So right. I also look at storytelling from a data standpoint as a huge asset and a really large differentiator for people in the marketing space. Uh, again, I think we just became best friends uh, because this is my philosophy and methodology as well. But before we dive deeper into that, can you tell me about Sync Show and what it is you do there um, and the type of clients you serve sure. to give some absolutely. context? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So Sync Show is a digital marketing agency headquartered in Cleveland, Ohio. We serve clients nationally. I recently moved to Chicago to um, pursue our, an office here, but also um, because my husband got a new job. So I'm working exclusively remote. The majority of my team's headquartered in Cleveland. We do have a team member in Pittsburgh and a team member in Tampa, Florida. So um, we do have an ever evolving remote workforce, um, which is something that I think that we'll see continue. But the firm itself is really focused on business to business, digital marketing solutions, really in three main industries. So we focus on logistics and transportation, professional service firms, and then manufacturing clients. So our goal is to sit down, understand those business needs, and then create web strategies and inbound marketing techniques that help you use your website as your best salesperson. So how are we increasing sales, increasing leads in your pipeline, and then mm -hmm. creating communication strategies to those prospects or your current customers to increase sales? Okay. Awesome. Uh, did you ever spend any time out in Youngstown? I have. Yes. 
So I taught at Youngstown State. Okay. I was I was tenured faculty there for seven years. Oh my gosh! Uh, so I I just started at Pitt this past summer. So oh. yeah, so you're you're saying Cleveland, and I'm like, oh, I've spent a ton of time in Cleveland. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we ha- actually happen to know some of the same people. I'm uh, sure. I'm sure. Small world. Absolutely. And Youngstown is just a quick hop over the border to Pittsburgh. So that's right. That's right. So you talked about, so you're, you're serving logistics and transportation, which as I understand it is a vastly growing field. Uh, It's a growing industry. Um, We, I had just spoken to someone about their experience serving uh, the logistics industry. And I think maybe it came from a cybersecurity aspect which oh, was kind interesting. of interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, manufacturing, what type of manufacturing? So we work with all different types of manufacturing clients. I have manufacturing clients that create slewing ring bearings, which really are those uh, support pieces. When you think about um, a cherry picker or a fire mm-hmm. truck with a ladder, the thing that keeps those things swinging. I have a client that creates architectural fabrics for okay. um, sports facilities and I have another client that creates cable and wire for, you know, very specific high temperature or high threat industries. So it's, it really is across the board. You know, I, I have a particular interest in manufacturing from a few different perspectives. The first of which, and I'm just being self-serving at this point, but uh, I, I'm obsessed with like those gigantic uh, earth movers, mm-hmm. not like just, not like, uh, trucks that are on uh, that you can put on a, a bed and drive down the highway but like there was like I remember seeing this photo of one in Holland and it was like six city blocks long yeah. like this absolutely gigantic marvel of technology and engineering and uh, that kind of stuff fascinates me so when you talk about like working in the marketing I'm sorry manufacturing uh, industry working with folks in that space you get to continually be impressed by just the the science and the engineering and the the just it's fascinating to me. Uh, I feel like there's no shortage of stories that you could tell with those types of clients. Absolutely, I I totally agree with you. My firm runs these all day strategy sessions when we onboard a new client, and they're my favorite part of my job because I get to go into these manufacturing companies and learn about what they do, who they serve, how it impacts people like me every day, that Mm -hmm. unless you were a part of the industry, you would have no idea. And it's also just a fascinating way to understand how people create a business and make their money and build a workforce because, you know, as a consumer, we're just used to things showing up and being there and really understanding that behind the scenes, how these things are created and built is is fantastic. And for you being in Pittsburgh, for my company being in Cleveland, you know, we are a part of the Rust Belt. There's a large manufacturing presence and we love to be able to help those companies right in our home backyards grow. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, on that note with manufacturing, especially between Pittsburgh and Youngstown and Cleveland, it, additive manufacturing is, yes. is massive and growing. And I've seen some posts recently about how some 3D printing companies are manufacturing their own respirator masks, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, which is an amazing story to tell. Um, and uh, even just like the, I remember watching a, a video of how 
3D printing was used to create a, a new arm-based apparatus for a child that lost their arm mm -hmm. or something like that. So again, there's no shortage of stories to tell. And yes. you know, maybe you can speak to this a little bit more, but it seems like those industries in particular are really needy for good marketing uh, and story-based marketing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree. So not only is it an industry that we focus in because it's close to who we are as an, as an organization, but there is such a need to create awareness and to build out these opportunities in these clients or customer supply chains to say, here is how we do something so fantastically and here's how it can serve you in your business and why you should work with us. You know, we also find that oftentimes manufacturers can be either leaders or laggards. So we really look at this and say, how do we help you grow with these ever changing times? Mm -hmm. And how are you keeping up with technology to use it into your advantage to help your business grow? And so thought leadership, right? Uh, mm -hmm. in, in some of these growing industries. So the person I spoke to uh, previously, she was saying like cybersecurity is a massive and growing field. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of players, there are a lot of voices, but there hasn't been too many uh, entities to step up to the plate and be a dominant thought leader in these industries. Sure. So um, how, do, how do you craft uh, a thought leader? How do you craft a client into a thought leader through marketing? Absolutely. So that's great to hear from a from an opportunity standpoint for the person that you were having this discussion with. I look at that and say, you don't want to penetrate an already saturated market. So if there's low hanging fruit for you to become the leader, you should take that advantage. And that might be, you know, regardless of your industry, there might be a niche or a focus for you to say, this is where I'm going to plant my flag because there is a blue ocean here for my business, but also a really great opportunity for me to own a space that isn't already occupied. So not only does that serve you in the search engines, but it also helps to create an established presence as an expert because there's no other noise in the room. So right. you know, you sh we should all be looking at that regardless of our industry to say, where's the area that I'm going to carve out that isn't oversaturated with too much noise. And then from there, it's really saying, who are the key stakeholders in my organization that I want to position and highlight? Is it my CEO? Is it my customer service person? Is it, you know, in trucking and logistics, is it a truck driver who's out there, you know, running shipments all day and seeing what's happening in load bays or on docks? Is it a manufacturing line worker who is acutely aware of what production looks like? Anyone in your organization can be a thought leader. It's just really sitting down and saying, what is the thing that you can speak really intelligently to? And then how do we as marketers position that and then place it into the right mediums or vehicles mm -hmm. online and offline to help feed that to the people who are looking for that information. So coming back to keeping that in mind, but coming back to your data driven process, what kind of data points do you, do you look at that kind of inspire or trigger some of that, that narrative craft? So for example, you know, you're looking at, uh, a user profile or a specific demographic and you could say like, oh, um, this demographic for whatever reason has a preference for peanut butter, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> whatever the data points are. Like, sure. what, what kind of data points inspire you to craft better stories or figure out what exactly the hook is in the narrative? 
Sure, absolutely. It's really a mix for us of an art and a science. So to speak a little bit to the art, you know, we, yes. we talk to customer service reps, we talk to salespeople, we talk to engineers, we talk to strategists in the industries that we work in and we say, who are your customers and what are their pain points? What are the things that are keeping them up at night? What are the questions you're constantly answering or addressing? And then how can we build a content strategy around that? If mm -hmm. these are the things that they're, you know, Googling from their offices late at night when they can't sleep, how are we proactively addressing that and creating a content strategy? So that's a little bit of the art. So we say, okay, so what are those things? What's the brainstorm? What's your gut feel on it? Now we're going to go ahead and start to create that content. And then now this is where the science really comes in. So we look at it and we say, what are our page views looking like on these different types of posts? What's engagement mm -hmm. on social? How many likes? How many comments? How many shares? Are people opening the email? Are they clicking the email? If we are testing different types of language, we're really big into A-B testing. If we change just this word or just this color, does something impact the way people behave online that we're looking to um, connect to our end goal of engagement? So mm -hmm. that's really when it becomes more science focused to say this post with this type of language did really, really well. We should do more of these. Or how do we then create a challenger to that and say, how do we optimize even further around it, you know, based right. on the language or based on this data that we have. So for us, it's looking at some, some key website metrics. It's time on site, it's bounce rate, it's, um, you know, total, total users on who've engaged with that piece of content and then really what they've done with it. Does it, does it encourage them to come back? Does it encourage them to share? And if none of those metrics are aligning with the type of content, then we know our art was mishandled. Sure. We might've believed that this content was important. We might've believed this pain point was important, but in reality, it's not. So we shouldn't talk about it. So how do you, uh, so keeping that in mind, I, I hope you appreciate my tethered transitions here. Uh, <laughs> Very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Okay. So uh, how do you take that, that thought process, that methodology, and apply it to what we are experiencing now with the coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is the thing that's top of mind for all practitioners in my field. You know, while other people are saying, I'm home, I'm not working, I'm a bit bored. You know, I feel like my agency and my team members have been working in, in overdrive to address this. Mm -hmm. And the, strategically, the first thing that we're recommending to people is to immediately pause and step back and say, what are the types of communications we're putting out? Is it necessary right now? You know, no one really cares too much about any of your general product updates or news about your firm and organization unless it relates to concern or information sharing around how to move through these very uncertain times. So I think it's really about clear and strong communications, but it's also about transparency and saying, here's what we're doing, here's how we can help, and here's what we need to prepare for. And from a consultant and client level, those conversations really start with what are your short-term concerns? What are your short-term opportunities? What are your long-term concerns? And what are your long-term opportunities? And then creating strategies and tactics that match with each of those. Is it a concern that it's something that we can do about, do something about? If yes, what are we doing? If no, let's recognize it and let it lie. And then where are our opportunities? Is it something that we can do something about now? Is it something we need to start working on and planning for later? Mm -hmm. Great strategy, and I like how sort of nimble and adaptive you are. Uh, I mean, really, you have to be, especially yes. if you're handling 
uh, crisis comms for your clients. You know, they may not, e they may not even know themselves what is going to happen or even if their business is going to function during uh, an outbreak like this. Yeah. So, you know, being able to provide that objectivity, I think is incredibly valuable. Um, in consideration of that, like, you know, agencies like Sync Show are really demonstrating their worth through mm -hmm. these really challenging times. Um, so hopefully, I, I'm sure your clients certainly appreciate it, despite the fact that like, yeah, you did a 70 hour work week last week, you know, <laughs> uh, at, at least someone's staying busy and, and minding the store. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I welcome it. And, and to your point on the pivots, RJ, I mean, I look at your outreach around the community to say, I'm in a certain constrained situation. I can do something about it and use it as an opportunity, or I can do nothing about it and sit and wait it out. And, you know, that's why when I saw your call on this, I thought, what a fantastic way to, to pivot and in real time mm -hmm. engage with thought leaders, engage with your students and address some of these things proactively. Because really at the end of the day, isn't that what we're all looking for? We're all looking for a guide. And you're raising Absolutely. your hand and saying, what am I going to do to be a leader here? And at the end of the day, no matter what your business is, if you're approaching it with that first, you have an opportunity to be a win. Absolutely. And you know, what's funny is, uh, so I've been getting messages from people that, that are I'm doing these interviews with and I'm like, so what are we going to talk about? What should I prepare for? And I'm just like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't prepare anything. We're just going to talk. Yes. Um, and mostly that is because I want to be as ignorant to like you as my students are. So that way we're, there's an equivalent sort of relationship. I love that. Um, yeah. And you know, there's no professional polish to this at all. <laughs> and it's just out there. It's just good content. You know, I get really frustrated with some content marketing strategies where everything has to be hyper polished and super professional to the point where it come it it looks overproduced, it feels mm -hmm. overproduced. Um, my style is just certainly more grounded and authentic, and I feel like that is absolutely a trend right now mm -hmm. as well. So it's like at any given time, if the trend is hyper glossed, overproduced stuff, then there's always an opposite reaction to that. that Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I totally agree. And to your point about something being hyper-polished, it removes a layer of authenticity. And during these times now, especially, but really always, all of us are looking to build trust mm -hmm. or to reinform a reaffirm a gut decision that I shouldn't trust this. And sometimes when that inauthentic, inauthentic feel is there it just reaffirms why you shouldn't trust someone um, versus if you're just putting it out there and not letting perfect get in the way of good not only are you able to move faster and get that information out quicker which at the end of the day sometimes is, is, is the best way to win the race mm -hmm. um, but you're you're helping to show people you know behind the curtain a bit so yeah absolutely um, so uh, let me pivot again real quick and uh, let's switch gears. So um, I've got students in, in a brand management course, they're marketing students uh, at Pitt, and then I've got graphic design students at Point Park. So these are two different groups of people that will actually cross over and work together uh, in, in the profession. And mm -hmm. 
the the marketers lack that design understanding and the designers lack the marketing understanding. Mm -hmm. So they're going to find a, a good uh, sort of crossover commonality here. Um, So when you work with creatives, be they, uh, you know, designers, web folks, whatever, how do, how do you approach them from the marketing side? And in turn, what do you learn from, from them? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I think this is a great example of, of what you said, exactly how they're going to respond in real life once, once they're outside of school. So the way my agency is set up, I lead our client service division. So what that means is I'm a marketing strategist, I work with our clients, and I oversee a team of account managers and project managers who work with our clients to create strategies, execute on those strategies, and then are held accountable for their goals to reach success. And in order for my team to be successful, we have to not only communicate that, but then also heavily rely on our technical and creative service team, who are those developers, those writers, those designers, videographers, to help bring that vision to life and to bring it to life correctly. Mm -hmm. So my account service team or client service team has to be able to communicate needs, wants, desires, goals to the technical team in order for the technical team to do a really great job. And typically when we start to see that any sort of breakdown between the two, to be blunt, it's usually because the marketers may have an idea or a vision, but aren't fantastic at communicating, you know, how to build the plane while they fly the Mm -hmm. plane. So the creative and technical team is saying, okay, I'm trying to take this information. I equally don't know the marketing or strategic questions that I should be asking because I'm not the general marketing practitioner, but I know my craft really well. So the more frequent we can get these two teams to collaborate and to understand each other's goals and objectives and the at least have some sort of familiarity in each other's roles to be dangerous, the better that they can communicate because then they can sort of predict questions, communications, instead of saying, I don't know what I don't know. I know I'm missing this piece of information and I need to ask for it. Or I know I'm not providing this type of really valuable feedback to a designer, so I need to ensure that I give it. And, you know, what's the best way to communicate that to each other, not only as different practitioners, but also just different people have different communication styles, different learning techniques, and how are we meeting people where they're at to create really effective solutions. That's great. So every moment allows for a moment to teach and a moment to learn. So there's a symbiotic sort of connectivity there between between the two types of people on your teams. And, you know, ultimately I feel like that's one of the best ways to do it short of picking up a designer and dropping them on a marketing team and saying, <laughs> yes. you're not designing anymore. You're doing marketing. So now you just have to learn it. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. So, uh, so these students are graduating. What advice do you have for them as they get ready to enter the field? Think about like what advice you wanted to have when you were graduating. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So the advice, the advice that I would give to my former self, but also now with the intel I have as a hiring manager, you want to be able to provide any relevant work experience to a strong degree, whether that's your senior projects, whether that's, you know, if you have a freelance career going, if you have a portfolio, if you have your own website, anything that you can share um, from an internship standpoint to say, these are the things that I've done. And this is how they've impacted me to this point and what I've learned and how I'm ready to continue that track of learning. 
And if you don't have any of those opportunities available to you now, especially during this time of shutdown, I recommend going and getting some additional certifications. Um, my agency is a HubSpot Platinum partner. HubSpot offers free inbound marketing certifications. Those are something that I'm always looking for on resumes. Google Analytics offers software certifications. Definitely check that out. And then I just got an email this morning from my um, culture and recruiting director today that shared that all LinkedIn learning courses are free, I think through mid-April. So that's mm -hmm. the other thing. If you don't have a LinkedIn profile, build it out and then start to take some of those learning courses and certifications because people who will, will look you up on LinkedIn and then we'll see that you've completed those and that you have a really active profile. So I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from all that is self-starters, mm -hmm. continuous learners, people who are eager for information, people who are eager to jump in and get their hands dirty. You know, it, you can't have your first job until you get your first job. So right. for anybody who's saying that they're requiring, you know, um, a lot of experience, you know, that's ridiculous, but here are some ways that you can go and get that experience on your own. And I know I really appreciate that. It tells me this is a type of person who's constantly going to go above and beyond in, in, in their role. And it tells me I should hire them. You know, I couldn't have said it any better myself. Um, I, I believe in everything that you said wholeheartedly. Uh, to the point where like, I'm, so I do a lot of those certifications too. And especially now during the outbreak, when you've got the time, mm -hmm. definitely do the professional and personal development stuff. I mean, for God's sakes, read a book. I mean, I've got, you'll appreciate this. I've got four books I'm reading just on storytelling. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, and, and li <laughs> libraries, libraries are actually one of my favorite things in the whole world. So, totally agree. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm reading four different books at the same time and my brain is a mess, but I'm still learning from it because, yeah. you know, in, in our profession, you know, you can make the argument that if you're on an assembly line, you know, once you perfect how that product is made, you can do that for the remainder of your career. It's like there's a point where you would stop growing in some respects, mm -hmm. but like with service-based businesses like yours and even with my consulting practice, like I, we always have to learn constantly. Yes. Um, and that's what gives us a competitive advantage, um, but also makes our work better. And at the end of the day, helps us sleep better because we have more pride in our in value in the work that we do. So. 100%. It becomes very purpose-driven. And like you said, it changes all the time. It's, it's an ever-evolving industry and it, it keeps work really interesting. So, Well, keeping that in mind, uh, we will go ahead and, and wrap this up and hopefully we can do this again sometime. This was a lot of fun. Um, and um, if students are interested in learning more about you, and what you do with Sync Show, how can, how can they get a hold of you or learn more about your company? Absolutely, thank you so much. I would love to connect with anybody who has any questions or just wants to shoot any ideas over for feedback. You can reach me on LinkedIn. So my name is Nadine, N-A-D-I-N-E, Nocero, N-O-C-E-R-O hyphen, T-Y-E. So you can find me on LinkedIn. You can also follow my company on, um, Facebook, our company is Sync Show, S-Y-N-C-S-H-O-W. We also have a blog. I'm a thought leader on that blog, as are some of my fantastic, really, really smart coworkers. We put out content quite often, so that blog is just syncshow.com backslash blog. You can also reach me on Twitter, at Nadine Tai. So I would love to connect. Please don't hesitate. Cool. All right. 
Well, thank you, Nadine. Really appreciate it. And um, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much, RJ. I really appreciate it. Stay safe.